Welcome, dear listener, to Season 4, Episode 3 of Weekend at Crombie's. Tonight, please take your marks as we will be viewing Personal Best. Welcome back, dear listener. We've made it past the first hurdle. You can have a, an isotonic drink and wrap a bit of tinfoil around you now. As, yes, we, get into, <laughs> as we get into our film. Um, uh, before we do, I am Hugh, a carpenter's dream, flat as a board and easy to nail. <laughs> and I'm Dr. James Evans Esquire. I'll make sure your knee won't get hurt. Just like you'll make sure I eat right and work out right and take all my vitamins. Splendid. Four. We will be reviewing the uh, 1982 athletic film Personal Best. We will indeed. Personal Best. Athletic film indeed. Um, yeah, very athletic. Um, I don't really have the kind of pun level as you. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but shall we begin? And I will say, actually, after the uh, the two very intricate and twisted plots we began this year with, this one we could probably do in about five minutes. We probably won't, but it's it's the, it's the, a very it's as straightforward as an eight hundred meter race. It is, yeah. Uh, plot so wise. plot wise, yeah. Shall I begin? Yes. Begin. Um, so uh, Chris Cahill is um, a, 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 a young, um, inexperienced track and field hurdler. Actually, he's a hurdler. Yeah. Um, and uh, the film opens a, 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 a kind of local event, or maybe not a local event, but a sports event where there's um, you know lots of different track and field events happening. I'm not really down with athletics lingo, so it's a track and field event. That's happening. Like, this is why Hugh's much better at describing the synopsis because <laughs> I'm trying to think of the words. You're lost in how to describe hurdles. There's a there's a woman, I and mean, there's ten, about eight women, I and mean, there's some kind of objects in front of them, and they <laughs> must loop these objects in sequence. I can't see the point of it myself, but there we go. Um, anyway, uh, so it, yeah, she, she's she's in the hurdles, 110 meter hurdles, I presume is what it is. I'm still talking about the hurdles. <laughs> oh, I will say, any listeners have made it this far. Well done. <laughs> oh, and uh, she's basically awful, um, and she finishes like last. I can't remember if she does finish last, but she finishes pretty pretty way back. But um, she's caught the eye. Oh yes. She has caught the eye of a, uh, a, a what I thought at the time was going to be a shot putter. I thought that's an interesting choice of character, yeah. but no, she's a pentathlete called Tori Skinner. Um, and m- more about Tori uh, a little bit later. Anyway, we see that um, Chris is obviously distraught. Her father, who is her coach at the time, seems a bit pushy. You know what was wrong with the leg? Tell me what's wrong. Why don't you talk to me about what's Chris, wrong? Chris seems very withdrawn generally. And, very, and basically, she, she messed up her hurdles race and is not really talking about it. And then in the, the when all the athletes have gone to the pub after, after the end of the meet and just kind of chilling out, she's there, but being very, very quiet. And um, essentially, I think she says she'll... She's, they're all in college. She says she'll take herself back to her dorm. But I think either through the exhaustion of the day or the stress she just she faints or, or, or nearly passes out yeah. um at which and, point and dear listener that is how you move a synopsis on <laughs> <laughs> that that is it classic synopsis moving on that is 
I hit the Take sad pissed off. a ball by the horns, and just like we're moving on to the we're moving on to scene two. <laughs> so uh, so so Chris uh, Chris then gets very faint, and um, Tori says she like, I think she lives near me. I'll I'll drop her off. So they um, so Tori takes her back to her place where they basically have a few beers and smoke some weed and and just chill out. Actually, um, she starts, what is that? Is it a hotel? Is it a hotel room? I can't. I it's work kind of it big. Out. I think it's just a dorm. They were they're all. I mean, I think the actress who plays Tori Skinner looks older, but I think they're all meant to be college age. Chris certainly looks college age. Um, yeah. As in, they're all eighteen to, between eighteen and twenty one. Yeah, and uh, Chris Chris is played by uh, Mariel Hemingway, uh, um, quite Thank famous. In Ernest. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Tori's played by a track and field athlete, also known as an athlete, <laughs> the Patrice Donnelly. There yeah. you go. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so they're whilst back in their room, um, they're they're bonding and they get on quite nicely. I think at, at one point, um, as uh, Tori basically says that actually she's she's really envious of Chris's athleticism, even though Chris is saying, you know, I really messed up the race. I'm rubbish. She's saying, look, with you know, I can, I strength, I can see you kind of they they they're sort of like height to weight ratio and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if I was you, I would not stop until we get to the 1980 Olympics because you because this is 1976, so they've got four years of trials and improving to hit, get to that mark of the 80 Olympics. Yeah, um, and uh, there's a a good a good uh, use of the pull my finger gag. <laughs> uh, in this scene as well where uh tori chris asks tori to pull her finger and obviously she then passes wind which is it's a slightly odd turn um, it shows if you're comfortable left in someone's presence to 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 guff in there in there <laughs> i would yeah. uh, have them pull your finger it shows you well, at ease with someone but well, um, certain, yeah it's certain, it's, they were certainly at ease with each other i'll say that for something <laughs> But one of the, the one of the things that happens is that um, I think Tori at this point Tori makes some comment like um, Chris is is a very good athlete but doesn't have the killer instinct. Yeah, that's it. Um, and yeah. then Chris goes, "Yes, I do. I'll arm wrestle you." So they they yeah. then set they they set two for what has to be the most intense arm wrestling scene. Um, and this <laughs> I include the fly in this. <laughs> do you? They, what but, about what about um, uh, is it lock up with uh, Sylvester Stallone? Would you include oh, that? I've not seen Lockup, but I, I I would challenge it to be a more intense arm, arm, arm wrestling because they literally spend a very very long time arm wrestling. <laughs> it's like it's a good five minutes. Yeah, because there are it's close. It's basically close up on their faces and they're yeah, sweating. Yeah, oh. they're they're really going for it. And at which point again, Tori says, "Let's call it a draw. I, I don't want you to break my arm before I go to an event." Um, and then they all they they give in. Um, at which point she just slams her hand and goes, "Ha! I got you." Which is a which is an interesting point in terms of uh, the 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 theme of the story actually, because uh, Chris did show some uh, to show compassion, saying, "Let's not do it." And Tori wanted to win, but we'll come yeah. to that later. Um, but then having having then smoked weed and pulled each other's finger and arm wrestled, one thing leads to another, and they end up in bed. <laughs> that's that's um, the order that it usually happens in, isn't it? That's the seduction routine. <laughs> so, um, and that's, they that's don't pretty- just end up in bed, Hugh. Crikey. I didn't know where to look. <laughs> they, they end up, well, I think our next scene is them quite post-coital and, and not a stitch on them. Um, oh. uh, but having done that, they then become an item very quickly. Um, and I think they move in together again in their, in their, not in college, they're in college, but they move out of dormitories and move into a house together. Um, and then uh, Tori, who is part of, I think, a, an actual track and field team yeah. they've got a coach yeah. and everything yeah so there's a women's there's a women's team that uh, is being trained for the uh i suppose for the ultimate goal being the the um the uh, los angeles olympics in 1980 yeah and it, coached by um terry tingloff yeah terry tingloff's a stupid name uh played it's by scott like from carry on good it? it's coach yeah. <laughs> have you got the tingloff 
<laughs> I'll tell you, I could get the tingle off you. <laughs> hey! However, his name may be a joke, but he's played by Scott Glenn, so he's pretty scary. <laughs> he is quite scary, and I think it's the worst haircut Scott Glenn has got in this film. It's ridiculous. I well, I take I take offence to that because, to be frank, <laughs> it's been three months since I've seen the Barbers, and I have that haircut. <laughs> he's got perfect lockdown hair. Yeah, I'd say, but you, but you live in a pandemic. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, went, he, he went to a stylist and asked for that. Yeah, exactly. In, in between this, there's lots of little montages of them running on the beach together and kind of flirting and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Not, they, not, not Terry Tingloff, but, um, but Chris, Chris and, Tory. and Tory, Yeah, it shows that they, they're actually, yeah, they, they're building a relationship. They, yeah, they're yeah. working out together. They're discussing, you know, their, their various training and what's you know, getting strength. So they, they're, they're getting on like a house on fire. And so much and so that, um, that Tory kind of goes to bat um, for Chris, basically saying to Terry. Oh, I thought you were going to say, she goes to bat for the other side. <laughs> no, she goes to bat for Chris, basically saying, "Put well, for, okay, put yeah. Chris on your team." And Terry's like, "Well, she's rubbish. I saw her hurdle." No, 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 she's got potential. Put her on. You owe me. I don't know. There's some implication that um, he'd been inappropriate towards Tori because she says something like, uh, "You owe yeah. me, and you've been bad, or whatever." Um, yeah. It's never mentioned again, is it? No, but there, but there's. Um, so Chris is given a place on the team, but basically that involves you know, cleaning up the starting blocks and not doing very much. Um, yeah. But then she also but, kind but of Terry, Terry is kind of intense, and he is also a little bit creepy as well. So there yeah, there's something. In that. Yeah, there is. There is a scene like um, again, Chris is as, as Chris is doing the skivvy work in the team. Um, yeah. She sees Terry and Tori basically horse playing around. Nothing off, but it's like you know he, he trips her up, she trips him up. They're rolling around in the sand. It's like this, this is not a coach and a student kind of behaviour. Um, but however, you get that moment when it's like um, you know it's been three months since Chris has been on the team and not had a chance. But she gets a shot. So one, you you know we've got ten minutes left. You have a go at your hurdles. Um, so she she races to get her her, her ready to do the hurdles, and she even though she managed to fall over at the start, she hadn't done it properly. Um, she still manages to absolutely you know tear down the side it's that wonderful scene in sports when the person you've been yeah. rooting for suddenly shows that extra gear and shows they can do it so um having done that she now catches terry's eyes and oh she can actually run that's quite good so he starts taking this as a serious athlete and starts grooming her to be um well grooming her to be an athlete at the very least um there is then good, a like good use of the word grooming though. i know <laughs> no words are used by accident here um, <laughs> <laughs> there is then a sequence so now, now they're all sort of team america and ready to to um they can start basically the circuit of going on different different yeah. track meets yeah. to improve their stats and, and whatever and get get points to 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 um, get a place on the, the american team uh, that includes one trip to mexico um where um the only scene we ever see anyone eat something is really like it's it's a uh, it's Chekhov's melon because because Chris unwisely buys a melon or some kind of fruit from the stall um, and as she's munching, goes it's fine I'm not going to get it's sick got, and it's got skin it's got going. skin to be honest though I mean how badly could a fruit poison you but um but lo, lo and behold having eaten this melon reassuring her friends it's not going to get poisoned the next scene she is she's utterly riven with stomach cramps and and can't move um, she's given opium. Oh no! Yeah, so there's this. Yeah, this is point. Where... Even opium to cure. That's it. I mean, for an, for an athlete, surely that be contravening. I did wonder about the opium because they're, they're all smoking yeah. weed and and boozing, yeah. and then it's, just, it's a bit of opium to cure the pain. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Um, but that that's not what I. So, um, yes. Yeah, so the team basically smuggling a junior doctor to give her opium, but more importantly, she doesn't want to be left alone. So the kind of she's basically sitting in the showers because she's burning up, and Tori's got a bed and she's cuddling up with her. And Tori says basically, "I need to sleep. I've got a track meet up tomorrow." And Chris is like, "No, no, don't leave me. I'm scared." So Tori basically stays awake all night with her. Um, in fairness, this... she's in the, at the bottom of the shower. 
Yeah, yeah, I would I'd, play. I'd, want, I'd just either stay with me or we're all going back into the dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's not the most comfortable. They've, um, but uh, yeah, to be uh, to have spend the night on uh, the floor of a Mexican shower does not sound like the <laughs> no. ideal trip. Hot on opium. Avoir, yeah. Well, it's, it's Chris had opium. Tori was stuck there. So whilst, so having not got a night's sleep, Tori does terribly in her pentathlete event. Um, Chris apparently, having now recovered, does quite well. Um, but it's That's kind not of really explained either because I'm, you know, I'm skeptical of being able to perform as well as Chris does after severe food poisoning. Well, have you not seen the uh, the Michael Jordan uh, um, last dance? <laughs> Well, I'd recommend it. That's a bit. I'd thoroughly yeah. recommend it as someone who wasn't interested in basketball at all. It is a fantastically compelling documentary. Yeah. But there was a scene when he had chronic food poisoning and didn't tell the opposition about it and thought they'd get one over on him and just spent the whole thing guzzling water and trying to keep himself in one piece. Blimey. Yeah, though that's the least of it. The stories from that that documentary is incredible. Ooh, is on? Rec- it's on Netflix. The Last Dance. Okay. Right. And again, right. as, as, as someone who, if someone said it's a basketball documentary, I'd pass it by. But this one, it's worth watching. Okay, I'll check. That said, I'll have to cut this bit out because it's completely relevant. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks for the yeah, tip. There's your recommendation. But it kind of hammers yeah. home the, the the message that basically that um that Tori's kind of compassion for Chris has cost her her winning edge. Um, and and actually Terry Tingloff makes as makes as much comment on that as well. Um, but it hasn't really affected Chris. And so there's a there's a there's a the power balance has slightly shifted. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And it, actually, this is exacerbated when um, Chris kind of gets a permanent place on Terry's team. Race. He's seen because they get like, you know, scholarship places. So Chris is now there and Terry says, you can be on my team, but you're not going to be hurdlers anymore. I'm going to train you as a pentathlete. So now she's in direct competition with Tori for one of the three places in, in the American team. Um, How would you do that? <laughs> How would you do that? <laughs> well, in fitness, um, Chris is turns out to be quite a good pentathlete. Um, oh, well, that's true. Um, you know, Tingloff, Tingloff's the coach, isn't he? I mean, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we came into the analysis about this, about the understanding of it. But nonetheless, um, as they're now training, I think they, they, um, I can't remember how they agree, but they've had this sort of unspoken. Yes, we're not going to let training get in the way of our relationship, etc. Because you know, we're still uh, we're still together and we'll just train. Um, so of course, it does. Because it does. Because there's there's one point when um, oh, is it uh, Chris is practicing for the high jump? And I will say, in, before this, we learn a little bit about each event. Tingloff kind of does a little narration over what it takes to be yes, a shot, what it yeah, takes to be a high right, jump. Yes, yeah, uh, which yeah. is which was all too brief, but quite interesting. I don't know why that then had to be followed. By what felt like a five-minute montage of anonymous crotch shots of people doing the high jump. High jump, yeah. Because you've no idea who these crotches are. You basically see from from the middle of the midriff down to the top yeah. of the thigh, yeah. and you see lots of shorts um, leaping yeah. over the high jumps, leaping backwards and landing on the, the mat. And you can't tell. You don't see the run-up. You don't see their legs bouncing. So you see probably the least interesting part of the the high jump. If you care about high jumping, if you're into 80s shorts and crotch shots, it's Christmas <laughs> because it goes on forever. It's just like no, it goes for It's like the slow motion. Yeah. It's like I don't know. What. It's super slow motion as well, isn't it? It's like one of those really crisp, super slow motion shots yeah. from like tel- telephoto lenses or something. And like I say, if it, if it was a shot of someone launching themselves into a high jump that it's might be showing how yeah. it works but yeah. it's not it's the shot of just people it's gratuitous it is gratuitous but what's the gratuitous of just it's like it's the strangest gratuitousness 
it's bizarre, but it's that. Yeah. Um, Everyone has their vices, don't they? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what market that is servicing, but. It's well serviced. Yeah, it's well serviced. Mind you, this is the only film, and that's the only scene that that market serves. Yeah. So, yeah, more power yeah. to them then. Marvelous. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so as 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 Chris is is trying a different high jump technique, Tori kind of goes, "Hmm, interesting." And he's like, "What interesting?" No, I won't say. And basically, she gets it dragged out. She's got a different technique that she thinks Chris should use to do the high jump, and um, and so we know. She's been bubbling under because there's been points where she's been telling Chris that, oh, you want to you lift some more weights? And mm. Terry Tingloff has been saying, I told you to taper off. Yeah, that was you know, that's, Come on. Yeah. So you see the older, the older weightlifting lingo there? Very nice. Stacking plates. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good product. And you're right. It is more of a paradigm between Terry and Tori. Um, yeah. rather than Chris herself, because Chris is is still very reserved and quiet up to this point. Yeah. Um, um, the most she's had to say so far is, this melon can't possibly hurt me. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but but none, nonetheless, um, I should actually mention, actually, that uh, the relationship between Chris and Terry is commented on, but not really an issue. It's like, literally, they're like, yeah. oh, oh, they're a couple, aren't they? All right, then. Um, yeah, is... that's true. That's true, yeah. It's, it's a... it, although it's a lesbian relationship, it is, it's shown very objectively and matter-of-factly yeah like the whole the whole women's team uh, uh speaking of gratuitous are all in the sauna in a couple of scenes and no one seems uncomfortable again that like chris and tori are all naked with them again there's comments of them being in love and there's no comments about that being an issue even terry who's a fairly <laughs> a creepy character doesn't seem to overtly yeah. um get bothered by this that much and it, for... it, it, come, it comes up again a bit later in the film yeah. as well yeah. uh, um but nonetheless as we say, so having having talked about the different techniques of high jumping, um, Tori gives Chris a technique and then apparently accidentally shifts the tape of her starting position. When or whether it was an accident or whether it was, it's never really made clear. Well, um, she's she's saying that that Chris needs to extend her stride because she can have yes. more power on the jump. Yes. Uh, and yes, yeah, she accidentally moves the the starting point, but then of course by extending the stride, she dislocates her knee. Right, in a horrible. Oh, yeah, it looks yeah. horrible. So, so the knee come the knee comes out. Um, and it's then there's yeah you know, as, as everyone as Terry rushes over and fixes it and again just Tori's like what the hell happened and Chris is like you know trying to not say that Tori told her what to do. There's very unspoken looks of did Tori deliberately sabotage me um, because we're competing for the same event and then Tori's like how can you think that etc. And in very quick succession, in fact that very night Chris moves out of their house and spends the night um, on Terry Dingloff's bed, um, which then sets up probably the scariest part of the scene. Very really um, strange. So firstly, he's, he's like, just, you know, offering a, would you like a, would you like a beer, a cup of tea, an ice cream, as he's just on his bed. Joint. TV. Yeah. Joint. Yeah. Um, and then. He's ironing, he's ironing his Hawaiian shirt doing this. Oh, yes. That's a that's, that's classic test subjection technique. <laughs> um, and then, so the, the phone's ringing and he's like, don't answer the phone. And then she basically, the phone was annoying me. I'd have, I'd have answered it. Uh, she leads over to get it. He, uh, he rips the phone out thing saying it's just your girlfriend you care about your girlfriend and then he goes this big rant about you know no one cares about being a woman's coach i, I could have should have been a man's coach um and he yeah. goes just, yeah he's off about how um you know all the women 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 athletes you know care about each other's feelings and they get sad and this kind of stuff and he's, he's basically having a good old rant um which is scary enough because again at this point chris is is injured unable to move and yeah. on his bed as, as he's, he's, kind of, he's, he's almost over her isn't he 
Yeah, and then he makes a move on her. He like he kisses yeah. her, and then um, she's sort of saved as he leans on her knee. She goes, "Ouch!" <laughs> He's like, "Don't worry, we'll take care of the knee." And she manages to basically avoid saying, "Yes, we'll take care of it. We'll get vitamins and stuff," yeah. which I think he manages to actually accept as a brush off. But um, that was a, it. Was a very uncomfortable scene, and this was this was the the, the tingle off whole coach thing is yeah is made is just a, va- a bad vibe pretty much the whole scene, and that's the the scene where it gets the baddest vibest. I tell you what, though, I I don't think that ice cream got eaten. I do hate to see ice cream wasted. It's like it's like when characters order drinks in pubs, have one sip, and then the, then the long, yeah they get caught yeah. in the head office and they race. Oh, off. Got your drink. Damn it. <clears throat> yeah, down in one, <laughs> then jump in the car. Um, so have so now Chris is in now in rehabilitation. Like she's you know her, her, her um, everyone else is is off. Uh, do keep carrying on doing the circuit and chris is now trying to get her knee back which involves her going swimming so she's basically broken up with with tori now she's moved the stuff out of the house it's over and it was never really made clear but either the fact that tori did sabotage her or that yeah. chris is unable to accept that it was an accident basically there's, there's that thing between them it's like the trust is gone they couldn't I accept i don't think it was made that clear though because one minute everything was lovey-dovey and then a little bit off yeah. and then the next minute there were tears and she's basically said, I'll be out by the time you come back from the, from the track and field event. I was like, what did I miss? Did I miss a scene? There was a, there was a few scenes previously when they go into their tracks and there's, 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 they're they're being pulled apart. quite a long scene in the car as well, isn't it? Where they're talking to each other about being friends that occasionally, you know, have. uh, Oh yeah. Are we just, are we just friends who live together or are we something more? Um, And how's how's this going to work? So it's clear that this was putting back. And then the knee dissertation was the the straw that broke the other camel's knee. Um, (laughs) But uh, so Chris is now in rehabilitation, which involves going swimming. Um, And in the swimming, she meets again, another um, athlete training app called Denny. Um, um, but this is another weirdly long and creepy scene as well when they, they're working out in the uh, the weights room well it's and, long uh, and creepy but it's also quite f- um it's quite fun in the sense that so basically yeah so then he's seen um chris swimming and basically we get lots of underwater scenes where he's yeah. gazing long at her legs kicking up and down so much so he basically runs into the side of the wall yeah. <laughs> like oh i got a bit steamy um but then they then move to the weights room and then chris is kind of doing her, her techniques and what have you and um they start chatting and Danny's like a water polo player and this is the first time actually where chris actually finds her voice she's yes, able to speak true. quite yeah. confidently and quite intelligently yeah. about the type of training he needs to do and he's basically what he should be doing yeah. and fair play to Danny, he actually takes it on board he goes okay well let's let's um, do this and they they start spotting each other with weightlifting yeah and um, she can obviously lift an incredible weight this this is quite the funny part so she, yeah, she's, 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 she's like pumping yeah. pump weights up and down and then they switch over and she's like do you want to do you want to change the weights oh no i'll i'll warm up on these and yeah. he's, he manages about two and is like <laughs> <laughs> but um, all, all the time he's effectively between her legs that's the other bit. He's <laughs> looking up this is the creepy bit he's between legs looking up and going uh what, what, what? but uh, once again fair play to denny um he uh, they a relationship begins with them quite slowly and quite actually at chris's pace um because yes, very true yeah he he like takes her to dinner and he'd like um they they just get chatting and it's um once he's dropped off at her house she then runs back um her knees are now better because she actually vaults like before the last yeah, stairs yeah. and says oh come on come upstairs then so they actually they begin a relationship which seems relatively healthy given this is an, in quite fairly fractured relationships all around well, and he's quite nice as well isn't he yeah he's he's not intimidated by the fact that she's clearly a better athlete yeah. that has things to teach him um yeah. and and yeah they they seem to have quite a comfortable um yeah working relationship together until um, he goes to the toilet. <laughs> oh, I'd blank that scene out of my mind. I'd see that. Until he's gone to the toilet, uh, let's you know. All, all we'll say, we'll not, we'll not mention this again. But 
um, listeners will have to watch the film to know what we're talking about. Yeah, that makes it sound far worse. <laughs> yes, I suppose. I suppose it's just a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, he goes, uh, he goes up to have a wee, and she follows him and says, "Like, it's just oh, I'll hold it. him." Yeah, I'll hold it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit. It is a bit. I mean, it could have been a lot it's worse. A bit weird. It could have, yeah, it could have been a lot a worse. Um, yeah. But no, well, no, no, I suppose it, whether it happens or not, it doesn't need to be in the film. Yeah, but I tell you, it, it, it does. It does um, even at the egalitarian of. of it does identity. absolutely, and I was actually one of my points is that um, one thing you can say about the film, it is it, there is an equality of nudity, which I am all for. You see everything and always. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. That's fair enough. It's yeah. fair enough. And so, uh, so we, we pretty much now come to the, the, the final part of the, the film. Having now re- recovered and, uh, and got back into speed, um, Chris is now training almost exclusively with Terry, and Tori is part of the regular the regular athletics team. And they're going into what is essentially the the oh. final um, the final yeah. um, qualifying thing for the nineteen eighty yeah. Olympics. Um, and, the, and again, and they're saying there's three spots for heptathletes, and there's only, again so Chris and Tori are competing to get into these spots. Um, and so it's the whole thing is played out like you know, the final um, the final challenge and Chris once again I think you know, Chris at this point before the even starts breaks ties with Terry basically Terry is saying you know you um, you know get get the killer instinct he's even actually saying like you, 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 you javelin the, the discus they're all weapons you go out into the field and you kill someone and it's been a running theme that basically Chris doesn't have the, the killer's instinct and therefore is not yeah. a good athlete and she basically tells Terry to sod off and walks over to to Tori just saying you know good luck there today you know yeah. um, and basically is true to herself yeah. that and said like Tori appreciates that as well yeah that said it, was, it begins very badly because the the, the the first one is the the hurdles which is meant to be Chris's best event she clips a hurdle and finishes like six so she's behind the, she then tries the I think the the, the shot put and shot once up, again she, she fails, she fails she the shot put so yeah. she's so she's two two of the five events she's in terrible shape and she's sort of coming to pieces um and I think it's uh, this, and Tori's not doing too bad. She's actually in like second, third place because she's doing quite well. I think it's them. She manages a good high jump or something like that. But um, it's then it's then the high jump, isn't it? Yeah, but no. But then Chris has a chat with Denny, just saying, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm falling to pieces. I, I you know, just don't have the, I can't, I don't, I don't want to go out there and crush my opponents. And Ben Denny basically says, why don't you just go out and try and better what you did yesterday? Try and compete against yourself. That's all you need to do. Don't worry about anything else. Just just be your personal best. He's <laughs> a, a nice guy. He is a nice, nice guy. guy. Again, he's, he, he's, so, he's, such, he's such a nice guy. He's less interesting as a character. But in yeah. terms of in terms, in terms of actually the, the nicest person in the film, it's definitely Denny. Um, oh, yeah. So he, he tells good advice. And sure enough, she manages to make an absolutely phenomenal high jump. Um, yeah. Beating the, again, the, the other main competitor who's not, who's, but there's, there's, there's a competitor in the heptathlete who's going to win. Her name's Pooch Hiena. Um, yeah, and she's, she, part of the, she's part of the group, though, isn't she? Yeah. Which is strange because she's the best, and we, we yeah, she, she barely, she barely she, yeah, she, she, she plays she, such a minor role in the film. She's occasionally nude in the sauna, yeah, as they all are. But she's crushing, yeah. she's basically she's crushing the whole event. So it's really about who's going to be second and third. Yeah. And so it's Why between is it the film about her. <laughs> this is a strange thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you've got the clash well, given this is a fiction i thought this was a real film as in like no, a real event totally given it's made up why would they put the best pentathlete and not make her a character um <laughs> so it is between second and third and there are basically three candidates to do this um chris and tori and then this third um character and so yeah. there's the long jump and basically it turns out that in in the final event of 800 meters <clears throat> chris is in a strong position to take second Tori is really going to have to overcome this other challenger and is unlikely to make it. Except Chris has a plan. 
if she goes out like the clappers and yeah. pushes this other competitor to keep up with her, they will both burn themselves out, which will give Tori a chance. And she tells Tori this because Tori is almost ready to quit. That's another thing. Tori tends to give in when she's not when she's yeah. behind. And Tori's about to quit, saying, oh, well, I've got bad knee. I can't finish the event. And Chris is saying, you can do it. If, you, if you're fit enough to run, I will take the hit. I will burn out this other, this other competitor and you can, you can qualify, as will I. And Tori's saying, don't do this yourself. You run ahead. You get your personal best. You do that. Um, you don't have to sacrifice out for me. And Chris basically chooses to do this. So the race goes ahead as that. And it's a very nice, actually, final race. You see, you see the, um, yeah. the drama in it. And it happens exactly that. It's got that. A, good, a good ending as well. Uh, yeah. Well filmed, that final stretch. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great final ending. And Chris does exactly that. And it's quite a nice strategy in it. She, she goes hell for leather, which forces this other player, other runner, to keep up with her. Which basically, by the final lap, they're so burned out because they've gone too fast. The other players are keep on players overtake them and yeah. therefore everything ends up in the correct order it ends up with with pucci and winning and then chris and tori all qualify ironically for an olympic games that the united states boycotted because it was in <laughs> moscow and yeah. so they they are left basically on the podium of a like a oregon track and field event with their floor bouquet saying and they would have gone to the games yeah. i guess this is their personal best and yeah and, and I will, I was, well, there's one final series where wouldn't tori say something like your boyfriend's cute. Yeah, but do you know what? Guy. Do you know what? In a, in a film that absolutely crushed the uh, the Bechdel test, the fact yeah. that the last line has to be two girls oh, talking no. about a boy yeah. is a bit disappointing. It's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> You're right though. The film, yeah, the, the film is is it, it yeah it passes Bechdel the friend. Bechdel test yeah. and then and then some. Yeah, um, so that was Not a bit disappointing. That, that was the final line. But again, we we can come into the 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 why of this in the film but that is the whole film um mm. we've, we've managed to stretch it out despite my misgivings. It did. there isn't really much of a plot is there it's it basically is. two girls fall in love they're both athletes they fall out of love they then um compete, in fought, in they compete State against finals. each other and they, yeah that's it <laughs> And two hours eight minutes later, it's finished. It is a two-hour eight-minute film. It's a long. I know film. it's a long film. Yeah, in in fairness, forty minutes of that is is jumping shots. Of, of, yeah, of crotches. Crotches. Yeah, yeah. It's either saunas, uh, um, or yeah, just just fetish fetish porn of high jump crotch shots. Uh, but that notwithstanding, we'll take a little break. We'll uh, we'll get good water. We'll throw an ice pack on our knees, and we'll be back so we can analyze gonna... why this film was chosen, and then into some of the themes. <laughs> Welcome back. I uh, trust you are all now uh, depodiumed, as uh, we used to call it in the 2012 Olympics, and the the flower has been placed in a nice bowl of water as we go into the reasons why this film was chosen. So, it, James, it was your choice. I'd like this on the record. So, why did you choose <laughs> personal best? Well, first of all, I've I've uh, had a toke of opium, so I'm <laughs> I'm re- re- replenished and recharged. I feel I feel I feel like I could run a 800 meters race right now so that's good um i've never had opium before so i don't know if that is how it makes you feel i presume it does having watched this film um it cures food poisoning and makes you an olympic athlete so i don't know why i would say to cinema pack of munchies and i felt like i could run a race after that i didn't of course yes why did i choose personal best I, you know, i'm asking this personal best <laughs> you, you have a plan i don't i'm very scattershot but you have a plan well, I do have a plan. It's uh, dog chasing traffic. <laughs> well, it's it's my 1980s film for for this year, uh, and um, it's a sports film. And actually, the reason, the main reason why I chose it was because I was 
looking for a sports film to watch because we haven't had a sports film yet um and um i i kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with sports films i think when sports films are good they are absolutely brilliant and when they're not so good they can be they can be really really trying um and so um I, I wanted to I wanted to give a sports film a go. Um, so I was looking around for kind of various um, options for it, obviously trying to kind of fit into the canon of Weekend at Crombies as well. I, I, I was aware of Personal Best. I, I knew of the film primarily because of the director, Robert Town, who who's a very famous screenwriter, a Hollywood screenwriter who, who's um, written you know many, many successful films, probably the f- most famous of which is um, Chinatown with Faye Dunaway and Jack. Uh, Nicholson, which is a you know a, a really very high watermark film noir from the seventies, very good film that he wrote. This is his directorial debut that he also wrote as well. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. Be um, good to see where he's gone with that. The, uh, when I did a bit of research about the film, without trying to find out about the synopsis per se, but when I did a bit of research about what the film did, the reviews of it I found were exceptional. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, well, okay, for a film that isn't that well known, and you know, in the context of sports films, is probably lost a little bit. This has got an excellent, this has got an excellent kind of history to it, and it's got a lot of kudos in, in the kind of filmmakers. Uh, but it was a box office flop. Um, it did okay in its original kind of limited, limited release, but overall, I think it made about five million dollars, which wasn't a significant hit for its budget. Yeah. Um, but it, it it was nominated by the American Film Institute as one of the top ten best American sports films as yeah. well. Yeah. So so I think to myself, well, it's all of those things. It's it, it could could it be a new Breaker Morant, one yeah. film that has just been lost to time that seems yeah. to be loved by everyone but that no one hears anymore. So I thought, yeah, you know, I, I didn't hear about it, it from a throwaway joke on Friends. Which, well, um, go on, t- tell us the joke because I've been you mentioned that in the last podcast. Oh, so did I'm I? Trying yeah. to find it. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Well, also, yeah. Um, I mean, I will, I will say, Friends. Uh, Friends has not aged well in terms of its gender politics no, or sexual no, politics. No. Um, but that notwithstanding, there's um, it's once again Ross is is very distraught that his girlfriend Helen Baxendale is is spending so much time with um, his 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 ex-wife's now German oh, partner. Yes. Yeah, and he's basically saying they're at the gym. Do you understand the gym? Um, you know they touch. It's electric. It's new. Um, did you ever see Personal Best? And then Joey pipes up, "No, but I'm gonna." <laughs> Which again, I, I only mention this here because again, the only the only way I know Personal Best is because of you. Know, I guess it's it's um it's nudity and it's you know the the early lesbian as in early early um. Yeah. Quite, you know, it's the 1980s, and there was a lesbian scene depicted in it. But in a, in a sense, again, to, to get into the, the style of it, it's absolutely necessary because the whole point of the film is two athletes competing yeah. against each other, so they've got to be the same sex. And I think if they were two, so one thing that's that's a given, they've got to be same sex if they're yeah. going to be in love and competing yeah. in the same event. And if it was two guys, I think the dynamic would be completely different because it is all about can you be compassionate and competitive. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, uh, yeah, I think you're right. In in some respects, it's going to sound odd to say, but I don't think Personal Best is an LGBTQ film. No, that was the other thing. It was. Um, it isn't, is it? No, because it's it's just a thing that happens. Because because yeah. when when you mentioned it, that's all I knew about it. I thought it was going to be about like you know someone overcoming prejudice and she has to you know live her life yeah, and win the game. So I, I thought I thought it was all yeah. about that. And that I thought yeah. that was what personal best was to be the personal best in your so in your private life and also so nothing like that at all. It's just an, an, a a fact of the thing that is necessary to the plot, which I'd applaud actually, especially in 1982 when Shoot. it came or when it was written. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting yeah. that that. Uh, 
that came out from it. What was I going to say is that um, well, uh, just well, to kind of yeah, just come, to come pick, your point. well, just to come pick up on that a little bit as well because it, that is not what I expected the film to do as well. So and and to, to be clear, the um the 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 initial kind of um the initial scene where they uh, are in the hotel or the, the apartment and they they get together is very early in the film as well. Yeah. It's in the first twenty minutes yeah. of the film. So. It's you not like Sylvia know. or anything, where it's like, oh my no. god, I'm being drawn into this woman's power. Because yeah, I thought that yeah. would be as well as Tori is like, yeah, me you know, too. Yeah, the evil, the evil older woman drawing this young innocent Chris. It's like, no, they're just two girls who've got it on, and that day that's well, it. Yeah, it's quite, and it comes across quite natural and quite innocent, quite sweet, and yeah. it's done quite well. I mean, I've got some, I've got some comments I'm going to make about the the, the the gratuitousness of some of the scenes, but yeah. It, it, in the context of that particular scene setting process, I thought it was quite well done and felt quite natural. And the fact that then the film almost didn't bother with it was quite laudable. I, yeah. I felt it focused. Um, it focused much more on the relationship that they had and how they had to deal with their personal circumstances in terms of the training that they had to do, not the fact that they were a gay couple. Yeah, well, I will say it's probably that. I mean. We also comment this was an 18 certificate film, which yeah. I thought was laughable because they the apart from the, again there's all nudity in it, but it, firstly it's okay it's non sexualized even the the, yeah. the nudity in bed is postcoital both with Denny and with Tori there no one's actually there's no actually sex scenes there's, in no, it. there's no sex scenes in it yeah so there's this sauna scenes and that scenes and that can only be the reason they gave an 18 or because it was a same sex relationship but it's insane that that is what yeah. they considered to be an 18 film other than they thought the themes were too old for, it's ridiculous it's um and it's clearly more of a kind of political choice to make 18 because yeah. no one's fingers are getting chopped off here no exactly it's an interesting point isn't it that um i think this is still the case actually this is this lingers in um in in particularly american films that um it you you will you will watch a film that has some nudity in it usually actually if it's either same sex nudity or male nudity yeah then it gets smacked with the highest rated certificate it can. But if someone's getting their heads blown off or, oh, that sounds awful. I mean, <laughs> what was, what was Darkman? Darkman was a 15 or 12. Something. I can't Dark- got his fingers chopped off with a cigar clipper. Yeah, I think Darkman was a 15. I think Strange yeah. Days was a 15 and that's quite violent in places. Yeah. So, you know, graphic interpersonal violence, you could probably get away with quite strong 15 certificates. Yeah. Anything, anything gay or sexualized or male uh, nudity, yeah. I just think it's which is ridiculous because I mean, to be honest, I've never seen someone's fingers shot off before, but I've seen <laughs> naked people. I mean, everyone's right. Everyone gets it's naked. crazy. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. And it's it's interesting about the gratuity because actually the, the two bed scenes, one between Chris and Tori, one between Chris and Denny, are again in context nudity. It's, it's where you would be naked. It's like yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, why yeah, would I they felt, not yeah. be? Yeah, I felt the sauna scenes, actually, there was two sauna scenes at least, and that felt gratuitous. But I did wonder at this point, did the director think, I'm going to get slapped with an 18 anyway, I may as well throw something in to get more people in, let's have lots of naked people in. Well, I suppose this is... Then again, the sauna scenes are also in context, they're they're athletes. They are are in context. I suppose the only thing about the sauna scenes, I agree that they are in context, but those scenes could be in a different environment. And I don't think you'd lose a lot. Although I I do get the point that it is a place where those groups of athletes would get together post-training to have maybe a bit of gossip, for example. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you might also have that in the bar or yeah. 
on the field at the end, walking back. I don't know. I no, suppose it's, 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 it's a guaranteed a female-only spacer because they can... There's, there's the, the, the two yes. coaches are male. Yeah. And maybe that's the thing where, again, it didn't, it didn't need to be so curious, but also it wasn't... It wasn't like you know the camera wasn't was panning over the shots. No, so again, basically, no. the, compared with the, the high jumps, this is one thing that the most gratuitous scenes yeah. are the ones where everyone's wearing clothes. But compared with the high jump scenes and a few other shots of them, you know, are training. The sauna scenes are relatively normal. Like it's a fixed camera, just showing people getting up and down and, and talking to each other. So I think that there's there's more exploitative sexualized imagery in, for example, GI Jane. Yeah. than there is in this film, even though this film has like a hundred percent more nudity. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you know, in G.I. Jane, the, the there's a whole soundtrack where she's doing press ups and in And that's that is quite exploitative. That's quite gratuitous. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 part of the film as well, I guess, but it's and the scene where she's in the shower it, it, yeah. as well it feels a bit gratuitous. I don't I don't the sauna scenes could be placed somewhere else, but you are right that they are a space where those women would have that conversation in, in, in an, an only female context. Yeah. The the two the two um, bed scenes yeah. are natural, completely natural, yeah. um, and so therefore, I don't think it's exploitative. But there is a certain there is a certain lingering to to some of the scenes. But they're the scenes, as you've said, where they are actually athletes. Now, whether that's gratuitous or not, or exploitative or not, I, I don't think it is. What it is is, I think, almost an admiration of the athletic body. You know, yeah. this film is very physical, isn't yeah. it? It's a yeah. very physical film. And, and and by that, I mean, it's full of sweat. It's full of taut bodies. It's full of muscles. It's full of flexible young people doing athletic things, right? And the film plays that up. It yeah. heightens it significantly. Even the men in it, all the men in it are kind of ripped, you know, big body filled. You know, they, they're quite... <laughs> Apart from Jenny, that's a bit kind of, you know, skinny, but he's clearly an athlete. He's a swimmer, yeah. He's a, um... yeah. He's a former, actually, track and field runner as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, I mean, yeah, it all works out. Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you did mention the sauna is the one place where they can have the, 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 the private conversations and one incredibly racist joke. Yeah, by, <laughs> that was that, by, was, uh, by the black actors. Yeah, it makes it makes it a, a racist Chinese joke, and my God, that was just like, that, that was a either that was like it's the eighties and no one batted an eyelid. Now it's like an anvil dropping. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird, right? Because um, for all that we've just described, the film as actually doing a very good job of straddling that line between um, voyeurism to a certain extent, but also not exploitativeness and gratuity. There is then one of the worst racist jokes I've heard in a in a in a mainstream film film in years. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so weird. There's also no context, context at all. You could drop that into no, any no, film no. as a racist joke. It's like we did a joke in this scene. Who has a good joke? Yeah, but there's no need for the joke, is there? No, there's the... literally no need for the joke. It, it doesn't add anything to the film. I don't know what it is. All it does is it shows this person up to be a racist. <laughs> But there's no other scene in the film where she is a racist. Was it was it Hiena? Was it Pooch Hiena who made the joke? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they, that's why we didn't focus on it. We didn't we didn't focus on a racist. We didn't want her to win. But she's black. I mean, it's it's crazy. Can't be racist, but at the same time, of that all joke the people, was very that, racist. Of all the people in that sauna to choose to do the racist joke. I guess the one the one the one reason why you'd have her make a joke then is that the audience clock her and remember her for the final. But so little is made of her in the final anyway. It's yeah. crazy. No, I, yeah, it's that was yeah. Um, it's funny again because um, I suppose one one way to look at this 
because we mentioned the fact that they they trained all the way and then got through and the games were boycotted. Yeah. That was that was made clear long before the end. It wasn't like they literally got on the podium and then there's news. You're not going to Moscow. Okay. They knew they weren't going to Moscow because the boycott a long time in advance. But um, which obviously takes a huge amount of wind out of the, the drama of the of the it film. Like, there's yeah. no denying that because the whole point is that it starts four years ahead of the Olympic Games. They're training to get into the Olympic Games, yeah. and I. I don't know why they just set it back for you or do something. Why would they, given this is a made-up story, it, it, I'm mystified as why they would do that because it's so damaging to the drama it, of the film to not have them go to the Olympics. Uh, yeah, I completely agree as well. There's 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 no drive or hook to, to, to get you rooting for them because you, you know it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. None, and, of, it, none of it matters. I know, yeah. I, I suppose that's why it's called personal best. I get that. But then, but then the way that the film is constructed, you, you see, the, 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 for me, there's it, it. It follows on from that a little bit as well. You're right. It, the, having the having the film start in 1976 and knowing pretty much straight away that they're not going to go to the Olympic Games in the, in, yeah. in, in Moscow takes the wind out of it. But coupled with that, what what you might expect the film to be then would be about this relationship. It isn't really about that. Yeah. And it's kind of part sports film where. You know, for uh, every every ten minutes, there would be a sports montage and a bit about sports, and there'd be some sporting activity taking place. And then half an hour would go by where it's people talking about relationships, yeah, in in a bit of a staid way. And then there'd be another bit about there'd be like a really intense sport bit. Yeah. And I just think, well, did they decide to focus on the relationships because the wind was taken out of the sports bit? Yeah. But for me, I wanted so much more of the sports stuff. Definitely, Cause, yeah. Because when 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 I was because the sports stuff, despite the the the, the crotch high jump activity, is filmed in really well. Oh yeah. And you know, it's filmed. It looks incredibly professional, and all all of the act- actresses. I mean, a lot of them were athletes anyway. But Mariel Hemingway, you know, very athletic shift to to, to get into this film. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so she, I she was she was famous in Manhattan. Was she was the, the uh, wife yeah. that um, a very elderly yeah. Woody Allen was leaving over. So again, That's she she, yeah. she transformed herself from kind of waifish girl into real well actually athlete because she she was doing the stuff you saw her doing. She was running up the sand dunes and, and jumping over the stuff. So, so yeah, exactly. I wanted I wanted this to be at least fifty percent more sports and fifty yeah. percent less relationship, right? Because <laughs> I don't think the because I don't think really the relationship was interesting enough. No. to carry the film because it didn't do what you expected it to do there wasn't any real danger in it it was just it was just young love like yeah. Ugh. <laughs> who cares <laughs> but it was it was about chris's growth i mean tori doesn't get much growth other than to be with chris and then to not be with chris it's, it's about chris's growth when she finds her voice you know as an athlete when she's talking to denny and then she finds her her path you know to be both true to her her nice um, personality and also a competitive run of the same. I did feel a bit sorry for the one person that she burned out in the final race because she wanted to go to the, she wanted to qualify yeah. as well. And she found she had yeah. no problems about t- destroying her. But yeah. um, I know you, I, well, yeah, maybe maybe that person had a, a real kind of a profoundly moving story as well. But we don't care about her, do we? Yeah. But I will say, I think um, again, this film I think was started to write in the seventies and and had a, had a troubled production, yeah. and they were yeah. themselves caught out by the boycotts. I think had that not happened. The intention was always to have them, you know, end up going to the Olympic Games or you know, qualified for it. So I think the film had to think on its feet as well because it was it was messed up by the boycott, um, yeah. and that I but, think. But again, but again though, but it's I would get that 
I don't know. It's a fictional account. They can kind of do what they want, can't they? Yeah, I don't. I don't set, why they, set it at a different time. Yeah, would it be so know? bad to set it in seventy two to go to the yeah, seventy six Olympics? Exactly. Or just make up an Olympics. It doesn't matter, does yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be in Moscow anymore. It's going to be in Los Angeles. Do it there. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, it was it was an odd one. So there's a kind of realism that doesn't really work there. Um, you mentioned the sand dune scene, and uh, for me, that's probably the best scene in the film, actually. <laughs> Because um, it, I'm glad you liked it. It went on for a long time. Yeah, I was, I was, in, I thought it was incredible. It was um, good, yeah. It, it was good. Well, and also, it's the perfect example of brilliant telephoto lens camera work because you don't realise how big this sand dune is until the end, yeah. and you they start running up it, and you can't really see the perspective, and you think they're just running to the camera, but then they're obviously running up the sand dune, and it just goes on and on and on and you think they're gonna cut away in a minute no way <laughs> it must be about five minutes and the other one gets yeah. up and the other one stumbles yeah. down and then the camera pans out and oh my god it looks it looks like hell what they've just done but they've just done it there's no cuts in it they ran all the way up what looks like a sand dune the sign size of the empire state building oh my legs were hurting when i when I was just watching this <laughs> yeah exactly so but that's it that's an example of what i liked about the film when it worked at its best it was trying to be quite a um, quite a, a atmospheric kind of sports journey, yeah, yeah. Um, which was about the kind of inner strength and the growth. I mean, lots of sports films are about that. I, and I wanted that. I really wanted that. I was totally engaged in that. And then it would just it would cut to Terry Tingloff, and he'd go, yeah, run up the next bit as he drinks a can of beer, and you think, oh, yeah. God, you ruined it there. Yeah, I tell you, you that scene. Yeah. On on the on that note, actually, what I think great sports films have, and what I felt this was missing in some way, um, was that trainer trainer or mentor figure who explains the event yeah. to the athlete and therefore to us the audience. Um, again, in um, because I don't know anything about a pentathlete, a pentathlon, anything's explained to him. Um, and again, having someone say, uh, so things like. Again, Terry Tingloff is in that role. He's the coach and he should be doing it. And he does it a little bit when he's when he's coaching Chris and the Pentathlete, saying, you know, when you throw a shot put, you've got to tear a piece of yourself off and throw it. Um, yeah. The high jump yeah. is yeah. is a masochist event because it's the only event that ends in failure. Yeah. And you, you yeah. get very small. That's pretty much it. Those are the two bits of the event. But I wanted to know about every single event and I wanted to know more about it. And I'd wanted to know in advance of the 800 meters final that you could burn yourself out because until that happens we don't know that's a technique no and i would like to have known that that was a choice chris had in her arsenal that she could have used but but chose to and i didn't because i don't know about the 800 meter running and if you think about other films like say you know chariots of fire is the big olympic one you've got mr mashabini explaining yeah. what the race is and you think oh i get it now and you get them yeah, yeah. In, in rocky you've got mickey just telling him how to right, box absolutely. and you get it that way yeah. and, and in creed you've got rocky yeah, yeah. Who does that job? And yeah, yeah and it's absolutely. really good because basically it is explaining it to the audience who need that explanation. And Terry, firstly, doesn't get the lines to do it, but also because he's such a creepy character, um, yeah. you don't want to learn from him. He's horrible. You want to get away from him as much as you yeah. can. So it is the missing that element. It is the closest that anyone comes to being that mentor is Denny, but he yeah. doesn't appear until about an hour and twenty minutes in the film. And he's more of a life coach because he doesn't understand the yeah, event either. No, he doesn't either, does he? He just lets her hold his penis as he goes to the toilet. That's <laughs> <laughs> all life coaching. You know, I'm sure you get qualified. For that. <laughs> That's the secret yeah. to good life coaching. So I think actually that distance meant that all I could do was kind of, you know, look at the, the sports events and kind of, you know, enjoy the athleticism going on, but not understanding that, again, it takes three strides to do a high jump rather than four. 
and things like that. It's like, okay, I'll take your word for it yeah. that that happened. I didn't know that that was a it, big threat when she made the high jump. I thought that uh, damage herself. You almost wanted to see it. You wanted to see an example of that tactic being used in another track and field event earlier in the film to go that this is something that you could do. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, the one thing, one, one of the things that the film does or did do in me, it, it made me want to see a, a sports film focused on track and field yeah. that, that isn't this film, if that makes sense. So I know you've got Chariots of Fire as well. It's a slightly different thing, but you know, boxing is one of the big sports kind of genres. I guess I know nothing about boxing and I don't care for boxing, but Rocky's a brilliant film yeah. and Creed is a brilliant film as well. And actually boxing translates fantastically to cinema because it's such a, it's such an incredibly visceral experience, right? To watch. I've got it's, no it's interest. personal. It's all based on yeah, character. Absolutely. It ends in a big climactic moment. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no, I don't care about boxing in the real world. I don't yeah, care we were about boxing really boring. They hardly hit each other at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in the film, because and you don't know any of the characters in it, but in the film, you yeah. know the characters and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like track and field could, could do that a bit because yeah. a lot of that is about personal, overcoming personal challenges. Because although you're racing against other people, it's about racing against yourself as well, you know. But especially so, especially the multiple the multiple events well, because exactly, yeah. a, a sprint is just a sprint, but a pentathlon or a heptathlon or is that it? it's many events where you can go up and down, the points change, you have people who are strong in different races, and that is full of drama. Yeah, and you would have lots of characters and you would have people that um, have their nemesis. I just think... Uh, uh, that it's an untapped resource track and field sports films if it's basically this and chariots of fire which i don't think is a track and field film really but um it's basically this there's got to be others but if it's just this i'm trying to think of other olympic films i've got cool runnings and that's about it oh yeah i suppose cool runnings yeah yeah i can't think of any others there's not that many is again there's uh someone did eddie eagle recently but um Yes, I suppose, but you're right. There, there is no that's in my mind. We're drawing a blank here, but yeah, you're right. It's it is a very dramatic thing, and you think with all you know, people that go crazy for Olympics every four years, everyone suddenly cares yeah, about exactly. track and field. Yeah, what, what where where are the films that look at this? You know, there's loads of films about baseball and basketball and American football and all that kind of stuff, right? And ice hockey. Yeah. You know, you, think, blimey, you know, track and field. That I'd, I'd like to see something about that. And if you if you add into the mix. Uh, um, a, a lesbian relationship as well. You think, well, this film is this film must be, you know, cracking. This film's yeah. on fire. Yeah. And actually, actually, I thought it it, it was a bit flat, which is a yeah. real shame. I will say, actually, I was, I, I, I been. that's my first note saying for a sports movie, it is actually surprisingly ponderous. Um, yeah, because because firstly, the, the the whole drive is missing. There's no there's no goal to aim for. But actually, you're right. All the bits in between the personal stuff. Um, we mentioned this was released in the 80s. It had a very 70s feel to it. It uh, felt like yeah. a film from the 70s um, because it has a lot of these scenes that I guess you'd call now like mumblecore. It's like there's lots of party yeah. scenes where yeah. people are just drifting around and you're hearing the hubbub bub, 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 for a it's long a time. Very, yeah, you're right. It's a very Robert Altman-esque type approach, isn't it? Yeah. Where there's no... It, it, the script isn't really one person says something and another person says something else. Everybody is talking over each other. I actually mm-hmm. found it quite hard to understand particularly what chris was saying early in the film she was mumbling and i didn't really and i know that's the point of it i guess but it doesn't help if you don't know what one of the main characters is talking about most of the time 
Yeah, yeah, and again, you just, yeah, there's like there's one party scene where I think Tori got jealous of Chris being chatted up yeah. by someone else, and there's just like lots of people mumbling and random people playing guitar yeah. and yeah. Um, they're drinking beers and hubba bubbing anything. I'm, I'm just trying to follow the emotional plot of this story, yeah. and, and it's too much different. going on, isn't there? Yeah. It, none of that's necessary. Yeah, and that felt like almost like a '70s vibe to it, whereas the '80s. Again, if if it was I don't know, later in the age, films would get a bit sharper, crisper, probably even simpler. But you'd 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 you'd, you'd understand what was going on probably a bit more. So, so there's another another example of an '80s film that has that um, kind of pitter patter of um, dialogue and background noise that's unfiltered, right? That was also really unsuccessful. Is Popeye with um, Robin Williams? Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. Terrible film. Terrible. But again. Film terrible film but it's also but it's a film that it's a film that it almost makes no concessions to the audience yeah. right that's the style that is being <clears> implemented <throat> and that's the style ad infinitum until you can't bear it anymore and there's, there's no and this is a, it's not quite as bad as that but that that style was employed here background noise was getting in the way people were talking over each other and it's supposed to create that naturalism right yeah. but it took it it felt very artificial and it felt very dated. Um, I, I, one of the things I put down is that this feels like a very dated film and, you know, you can watch films from the sixties and seventies that don't feel particularly dated. And I, you know, if I was reflecting on a film like taxi driver, for example, if you watch that, it doesn't feel dated at all. You know, it's made in the seventies, you know, it's a seventies film because of the, the fashion and the, 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 the cars and the architecture and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't feel dated. This feels a lot older than 1982. You're right. It felt yeah. like it was from the mid 70s or something, and a very, very stilted in that way as well. And I think partly the problem with it is, is that if you've got that, if you've got that background noise and the pitter patter, what you need is technically accomplished actors. Yes. And part of the problem with this film, and I, I, I don't think that the acting was bad in this. I should add, but it wasn't technically accomplished. So a lot of the actors were non-actors, right? They were they were they were athletes. You know, Patrice Donnelly as Tory Skinner, Kenny Moore as Denny, and loads and loads of other um, kind of former track and field actors. And to be honest, you could tell, yeah, right. And again, it's not that it was bad, but it was really rough around the edges. And I just think they were being asked to be too natural. They needed a bit more direction and control. And I think it would have been ben- it would have benefited hugely. There, there was some, it, particularly early on. I, I was a bit, I felt it a bit cringeworthy, just the way people were talking and behaving. It's like that's just not that's weird. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And it's again, come back to the the idea of a coach. It's it's a good opportunity to have a veteran actor in there to stabilize them. Yeah, and Scott Glenn is a, is a solid, you know, kind of character actor, but he's not yeah. that. He's no, um, you know, Ian Holm or or Bridges Meredith. Yeah, or, um, uh, yeah, or J- James James Khan or yeah. uh, you know, someone like that. Um, yeah, uh, that, allows, yeah. that allows you to have a, a kind of a young athletic lead who needs to be a young athletic lead, but also allows you to have a bit of gravitas in there to level it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I, I was, I felt a bit uncomfortable with that as well. Any other things you wanted to kind of highlight there as well? Um, what have I got there? I think I've covered most of the bases. Um, and again, we've I've mentioned it before in the synopsis. I did like actually Chris's character. I thought that was quite good. How she went from basically yeah, a, a timid person who was under the under the thrall of both her girlfriend to some extent and. Um, and the, the coach to a larger extent once both they're removed um, because they're off training and she has to sort yeah. herself out she is able to speak with authority and kind of finds her voice 
and that's the beginning of her journey to towards the end when she is a different you know she's able to be she hasn't changed and kind of got the eye of the tiger that they all tell her she needs mm. she's able to compete and actually be a compassionate person at the same time and i thought that was quite nice and it's also quite unusual for a film to say to have the, the lead character win um but not have to you know not to change she just changed but she changed by embracing who she is rather than going against who she is yeah th- that's a fair point i think i, I felt I, I i don't disagree with you about her character i felt it could have been stronger though um i felt but then i suppose that is what would elevate the film from what it is to yeah. a classic sports film perhaps and i don't think it's strong enough i don't think mariel hemingway is as as um as in awe as i am of her athleticism and her what she put into the film i don't i don't think she carries the film very well and unfortunately i don't think any of the other uh, non-professional actors do do a particularly great job either and it's no fault of their own yeah um it's just i don't think they were given the greatest direction and as you say scott glenn isn't a likable enough character and he's not a strong enough actor to do the job that you might want somebody to carry the film to do so yeah. in the end it, it kind of fell apart in that yeah. um, i think also uh, the, the, the character of chris cahill i think it's very hard to be both play to play a character who's shy and also commanding the film i'm thinking black swan is an example of when um it, it works well, it, it yeah. works um yeah because Portman's able to play someone who was withdrawn it, yeah. and, and, and timid yeah. but somehow charismatic enough to carry the whole film and that's that's that, tough yeah that's a great example you're absolutely right she that's a that's the perfect example of, of, of where that is a really challenging role done really well. Um, and I don't think it's done in this. Um, a couple of final points I just wanted to add as well, which is um, I was, maybe I missed this, I guess, I don't know. But the, 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 one of the things that I didn't get with the film was that Chris Cahill at the start is she's, she's not very good, right? She's, she's a, at best, average hurdler um, with um, confidence issues. Yeah. And yet, you know, within about 10 minutes, and I appreciate a few months have gone by, but within about 10 minutes, she's winning the race or at least, you know, doing really well in the race, having fallen on her on her marks. Yeah. Right. And it, it felt it happened too quick. And it was almost like Tori has seen in her something and suddenly Chris has been able to unlock it. But there wasn't I didn't feel that there was any. How did she unlock it? How did she become so good so quickly? She hadn't right. had any training. Well, I thought the implication was she was that good. She just she can't do it under pressure. As in, she was expected to be much better at the hurdles than she was. But again, she she kind of say that's why she messed up on the trials. And then we say, why did you do that? Because they were expecting her to be better than she was. Yeah. So it might have been that confidence again. The whole thing reason she did when she fell on her face that made sense. And I'm again, I because actually you have nothing to lose when she's fallen over it's yeah, go for broke and, you, and yeah. i think that actually whether that was true or not as an incident because i know they had a lot of um they had a lot of athletes work on the film so they picked anecdotes i imagine and i expect mm. that's why it seems a bit higgledy-piggledy like the the whole food poisoning bit and the whole yeah. fall on your marks and keep going i think yeah. a few of those things are in the sense of i heard this happen once and it'd be great for a film and you throw that in but it's yeah. got to have a point and it's um and yeah, it, it kind of had a point where she proved the point of falling on the marks. But uh, yeah, it's it, there were a few random moments in that when you wonder, is that just because they know a sporting anecdote and wanted to put it in there rather than they chose what was dramatically appropriate for that moment? That's maybe what it felt like. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other point I had was I just couldn't believe how many people were drinking and smoking. <laughs> 
And I, I kind of thought to myself, this is unbelievable, right? It really took me out because I was thinking, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want my athletes in this film to be drinking and smoking. I want them to be athletes. Oh, so this, it, was, I, this was the this was the seventies. People, they was, yeah, was really they didn't know that smoking was bad for you there. But they were smoking joints. She was taking opium. I mean, I they, where's the doping here? <laughs> it's very strange. Anyway, there. Yeah, that's that. That's 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 the end of it. That's the end of it. <laughs> okay. So as as we, as we break the white tape, we will. Yeah. Uh, take a little break and they will come back and we will find out the scores because it doesn't necessarily guarantee a first place being in here. (laughs) Join us then. Welcome back for the final time this episode as we uh, we stretch out our legs, do the warm down, apply some liniment and uh, and settle in with a nice pipe of opium. Yeah. (laughs) As we shall learn what score... <laughs> Sorry, the opium went down the wrong way. <laughs> James has started early. Let's learn what scores we're giving this. And as tradition dictates, James will go first. I go first, don't I? Um, I there was a point, there was a point uh, d- during Personal Best where I, um, I felt so embarrassed... <laughs> We're watching the film for for a number of reasons. The, the the just the way that the film was constructed, the fact that I was really pining for a sports film um, to come to shine through the um, the rest of what was being shown to me on screen. That um, yeah, I was in, I was just I felt uncomfortable watching it to a large extent, uh, not least because of the um, the extensive nudity in the film as well, which uh, as we've discussed, you know, wasn't gratuitous, but was still kind of in your face in that context. Um, I um, I wanted this film to be so much better than it was in my view, um, and look, the film isn't offensive in any way, shape, or form. It's not um it you know it doesn't it doesn't offend my sensibilities but i just think it's a really bad film so i'm gonna have to give it one disembodied crombie head one disembodied crombie head yeah despite despite some of the technical prowess around the telephoto lenses it just made me realize i wanted more of that very well one disembodied crombie head Mm. and uh right you. Again, I have really enjoyed discussing the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's, um, that's the main thing, isn't it? That's the main thing, and I, I will say, I, I think I felt a lot of the similar things I felt that you felt with it. I, I thought yeah. it would get it was, it had problems. There was no standout style with it. It it's it was ponderous. There would it felt gratuitous at some points. Um, Two hours and eight minutes long. Yeah, that's a lot. I so. Not a positive remark to me. I will say I'm going to bump it up though because I, I don't think it is a bad, bad film. I, didn't, I don't think it had a bad heart. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't rewatch it, which does, which is the, the first pass test, and I, and I wouldn't recommend it probably. But I think its intentions were right, and it managed to get a couple of the things there, and it did th- at least it tried to do different things. So I think that's probably worth two disembodied crumby heads for me. I think that's fair, isn't it's it? Not, and I, not I was, teetering. I was yeah. teetering between one and the two, but I just think, uh, would I watch it again? No. And I was kind of exasperated. And I think if I'm exasperated, I've got to give it one. Now, I agree with you. Is it a bad film? It's not a bad film in the way that some films are just 
terrible, right? It's not a bad yeah. film. And as you say, it's technically sound and everyone is working toward the same goal, right? And it's got a positive story. Yeah. I just think it's the the it's it's just that the story isn't right. The story's wrong. Yeah, yeah. But fair play. Yeah. They, they gave it a shot and uh, and it, it's it's well regarded uh, posthumously, but yeah. Um no I could have watch it I watch it wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> It could die on weekend at Crombie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's dead now. Yeah, yeah. We'll untie the shoelaces from our feet and just throw it in the sand. So there we have it. So who wants the carcass that is personal best? But what what are we going to announce? Are we going to announce what movie we'll be watching in April, or are we going to announce what movie we'll be watching between now and April? Oh well, why don't we announce both? Okay. Well, okay. Well, we'll, we'll say we'll say we'll save the bombshell for last. Uh, yeah. Next next month uh, is my choice and we're Ooh. going to be watching the rocketeer interesting so i already have my weekend at crombie's 2022 lined up and the rocketeer was one of those films ah, well that's so I, never yeah, planned exactly. if the last no, no, 12 no, months have taught us anything no. Is it Pony Falls plan ahead? Very good, the Rocketeer. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so does that, does that have um, Jennifer Connolly in it? Yes, yeah. Amongst many others. But uh, so having done that, we are but between those two times, we have decided to include a, a spin-off, a spin-off series, a bonus track. Um, so every quarter, so every three months, we are going to be looking at uh, a film by the same director, but a decade apart. So James, so what, are we call, what are we calling this uh, spin-off? We are calling it Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold. <laughs> In keeping with the theme. Um, James, would you like to introduce what our first film is going to be then? Well, and also by virtue of introducing the film, I will also reveal the director as well, um, as, as you can't really get one without the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you're building up the tension here. I am, aren't I? So the film that we will be watching for the inaugural episode of Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, is Seven, directed by David Fincher. Um, the point of uh, The uh, Legend of, we- uh, of Crombie's Gold um, is for us to explore directors who are well-established over a long period of time and to deep-dive some of their either successful films or less successful films, but a decade apart. So um, we're starting with Seven, a 1995 film by David Fincher. And as we go through the year, we'll be bringing in three other films that he has made. And we'll wrap it up at the end with a bit of a retrospective of, of the films yeah. that we've watched. It'd be nice to know how they've evolved and what we think, yeah, different styles, things that come through. But yeah, that would be interesting. And of course, this all began because we just got chatting and wanted to discuss films that were unequivocally good. <laughs> there was no, yeah. no ambiguity. It's like, what's a good director of good films? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, and, you know, so we continue like, weekend at Crombie's every month, digging into the, the, the vaults of unheard of and unloved films. But uh, once a quarter, we will look at the good stuff. Indeed. It's interesting that we are um, we are revealing this as if someone's listening. <laughs> we're, just, we're just talking to ourselves now, aren't we? It's, if someone if someone was like observing us, they think you've gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> you've gone literally mad. You know, who cares? Who cares? But so it's like exciting movies ahead for us then. So uh, we will you will hear from us, uh, non-existent listener, uh, before the month is out. So uh, with uh, with our bonus episode. So do join us then. And until then, I wish you a very healthy and a very prosperous weekend at Crombie's. Good evening, all. Weekend.
to James Evans Esquire. I'll make you. I'll make. Oh bollocks! <laughs> that was literally the first thing I had to say. I've record so far. Four words. <laughs> oh, one of those words was bollocks. <laughs>